mistakenly John Belge and the Prodigal Son. Do you have a spot? Uh, and all over it. All over it. Uh, what made you want to become a rock star? Didn't all the other kids want to be like cops or uh, wrestlers or evil Knievels? Um, wow. I think somewhere along the line, I... Boy, I don't know what made me want to do that. Uh, you know what made me want to do that? I was... I was one time, I was a teenager, I was probably 15, and uh, I was in the back of my dad's car, and I had my Walkman on, and I was listening to music, and my dad and my stepmom were in the front seat of the car, and my dad was trying to talk to me, and I wasn't listening. I was listening to music, and he yelled at me, and I turned, I pulled my, because we didn't have earbuds back then, there were these earphones, and I pulled them off, and my dad said, why don't you learn how to play the instruments instead of listening to them all the time? So I said, all right. Cool. I'll do that. And so I started a few years later. And uh, once you pick up an electric guitar, you kind of don't have another path but want to be a rock star. I mean, unless you're somebody like Stanley Jordan or somebody who's an amazing jazz guitar player. But, you know, so like in a way, in a backhanded way, it was my dad. It was almost like he was daring me. And, you know, so I said, okay. Nice. Yeah. How'd you become the musician you are today? I had great, inspiring teachers, um, and you know I'm really self-taught. Um, but as far as how to play the guitar, how to play the piano, I, you know, when I was a, when I was Miles' age, I took piano lessons and stuff like that. But um, as I got older, my teachers became people who were musicians, who were you know, rock and rollers who were, you know, guys that played in bars around Kansas City or guys that toured all over the country. Um, and so, you know, a lot of what I do now, I credit to people who inspired me, you know, my, uh, guys like Jim Strom, who owned Midwestern Music here, who passed away a few years ago. I mean, I really learned rock and roll from Jim. I learned sort of this, this code of rock and roll and how you treat people how you act on the gig, how you treat the other bands, how you carry yourself at a show. Um, I learned songwriting from guys like Alejandro Escovedo and Tom Petty. Uh, uh, guys like Dan Wilson, from, who was in a band called uh, Trip Shakespeare, and then was in a band called Semisonic. Um, you know, I kind of be, I, these guys had come through town, Bill Janovitz from Buffalo Tom. I would concoct these reasons why I wanted to talk to these guys. Uh, you know, oh, I'm writing an article on you for the, the local paper. I reviewed your album, and I'd love to, you know, talk to you. And I didn't ever write anything. I just wanted to spend 30 minutes hanging out with these guys, and I learned, and I got to be really good friends with some of these guys um, through that, you know. And I, I became friends with Dan Wilson to the point where these guys, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina one time for just some reason, and they were playing a festival, and I went down to see them, and they were like, John! From Kansas City, oh my God, what are you doing down here? You know, and and these, it, and so I learned from them. You know? So the new album, Working Donor Blues, will be mm -hmm. released Tuesday, June 24th. Mm -hmm. What organs do you have to donate to finance this project? 
I, you know, I'm really in a, a really fortunate position. Uh, I, you know, your dad happens upon this old mixing console from a rock and roll station here in town, and, you know, uh, that helps enable the project. That helps enable an album. I, local radio station here in town, The Bridge, was really helpful and bought a bunch of advanced copies, bought a few hundred copies of the album before it was even done to give away to their supporters. But a lot of what I, I guess I'm, I don't know if I'm answering your question metaphorically, or I went literal first. Um, metaphorically, I didn't donate, I didn't have to donate organs, but unfortunately a lot of people uh, who this album's about and where the stories come from on this album are, you know, folks who, I always say, uh, I had, it's about people who fought to fought to die and won, and people who fought to live and lost. And then where we are, when we're left in the wake of that, those of us who love them and who care about them and who, who tried to keep them alive, what do we do afterwards? And, and where do we go? And how do we go on? And what do we grab a hold of? So that's really kind of where that comes from. Do you think you could push the album release date up to tomorrow? <laughs> I'd love to get a copy of it. For you, I can push it up until today. How about that? What uh, what bands have you been in over the years? Uh, I was in a band early on in the '90s called uh, Big Perm. It was named after a character in Friday. Uh, um, then I was in a band called Famous FM. Uh, it became St. Jude. Um, then I was in a band called The Daybirds. Uh, I was briefly uh, for about a week and a half in a band called. Uh, the Mendoza Lie, uh, and then um, started the solo project. Kind of, the solo project kind of was a part of, was kind of ongoing. Um, I had, it, it, I, I formed a band around it because I had, I had written a lot of these songs and performed a lot of the stuff myself for the recording and wanted to do them live, and so I kind of put this band together from that. If you were to Farkle with Alejandro Escovedo, who would like to win? Oh, I would win, <laughs> undoubtedly. I don't even think he knows what that is. I think he's he's far too old to farkle. <laughs> if I can turn a rhyme on that question, it's nice. yeah. yeah, he he wouldn't even know what it was. All right, so who would you say your favorite bands are? Um, you know, my favorite bands right now: um, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, The Replacements, um, Big Star. Kind of all starts with those bands from from that period. Uh, the, the Rolling Stones. Um, I really love uh, a lot of what kind of the bands that kind of like uh, crept up in the in the mid '90s, you know, who, who, or who I guess kind of became popular in the mid '90s, like Archers of Loaf, Guided by Voices. There were a lot of these kind of indie rock bands um, before indie rock kind of morphed into this really popular genre. Uh, that that were some of my favorites. Trip Shakespeare was one of my favorite bands. Um, they kind of they were the, the band I saw that made me go trade in my tax refund check for a Stratocaster the next day. Um, I, I've been lucky enough to get exposed to a lot of different music, you know, um, and, and my favorite band changes over time a lot. You know, like right now I'm, I'm kind of back to being influenced by guys like Tom Petty and Springsteen and those guys. If I really wanted to become a prodigal son, how would I go about doing that? Well, I would have to trick you into it, because that's how I get everybody in the project. I, I make them think it's just like one show, and then we go do one show and they have a blast, and we end up roping them into a half dozen at least. The guys in this band are 
from from top to bottom. They're just amazing players, but they all have put just years and hours in at their instrument. You know, I mean, from from guys like Matt Anderson, who's who's joined us on drums, to uh, to Chris Wagner, who's kind of like the secret weapon in the band. Mike Alexander, all these guys, they just, it, you know, what they've all done is they just put in the reps. You know, I mean, it, it's funny. Like I don't, I don't know that anybody in the band would cons would 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 dignify the term prodigy, you know, uh, because I think they all are, they all have a really strong work ethic, and I kind of think that's what makes somebody a prodigal son, is they have this really great work ethic. My goal is to have at least 50 on the stage at some point, so we'll get you in on that one. <laughs> in over 15 years of touring, who's the coolest person you've ever met? <sighs> wow. Um, you know, uh... Richard Rosenberg is, he's the, the hand, he's kind of like the stage hand down at Knuckleheads. Um, he is, you know, I sh we show up, first time I've ever played Knuckleheads, which is a, a bona fide honky-tonk here in the East Bottoms in Kansas City, right around the corner from where my grandmother grew up. Um, we show up to play a show, and this guy walks out, and he just starts helping us load our gear into the, into the, the venue. And he's, 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 he doesn't hear real well, and so you have to, he has to look at you, and so he's always making eye contact with you. And, you know, it's obvious that anybody that helps you load your gear is one of your favorite people. But Richard is just this amazing guy. But it's guys like Richard who I always find to be the coolest people in this business, you know, the, the guys who really, they really are the nuts and bolts of what makes music happen. So... Do you have any plans of smashing a guitar on stage in the near future? No, I, I, I would have to have a guitar I really didn't like, and even then I don't think I could bring myself to smash it. If you could meet any musician, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Any musician, dead or alive. Richard Manuel. Um, he was one of the guys in the band, um, and he, he sang I Shall Be Released. And, you know, I... I I've I've seen movies about Levon Helm, you know. I've seen interviews with with Rick Danko. I'd love to meet Levon Helm, but I always I never really got a real sense of what kind of person Richard Manuel was. Um, but the band was always this. I always thought of them as a really cool band. And uh, Manuel died pretty young. Who would you want to narrate your behind the music segment? Hmm. The easy answer is Morgan Freeman, but I don't think that's right. Uh, um, I think I would like to have John Manson narrate it. Um, he has this really great voice. He's like six and a half feet tall. He was the bass player in Troop Shakespeare, and he's an amazing musician and a really great guy. But he has this sort of affect to his voice that's uh, it's really pretty cool. I've always heard that rock starts live hard and fast. How many cars or motorcycles do you own? I own two motorcycles and a car, one car, um, but yeah, two motorcycles. <laughs> I think my, my new goal in life is to always have more motorcycles than cars. Who's your hero? Oh, my mom. Yeah, she's a, she's a, she was a single mom from the time I became an adolescent. Um, and she, you know, she was a school teacher. She, she was a school teacher whom none of her students have ever said a bad thing about, if that tells you anything. 
Um, she taught me, she taught me reading, she taught me writing. She, she I think she, uh, I think more than anything, though, like what she did for me, how she sort of enabled all of this. We already go outside right now and race. Who do you think would win? <laughs> you, well, I, I just ran six miles, so you would win. <laughs> That's not a fair question at all. Yeah, you would definitely win. I do like that. So, Miles would win. I do like that. If and when I win, uh -huh. can I say I'm faster than a rock star? Yes, absolutely. You can say that without having the race. Yeah. Would you say you're an Elvis or a Beatles guy? I, I go between the two, you know. Sometimes I'm an Elvis guy, sometimes I'm a Beatles guy. I think right now I'm more of an Elvis guy. Um, I would say right now I'm an Elvis guy. Um, I, you know, I get in these mo I'm, I get in these moments where I'm really blown away by what the Beatles do, and, and but right now I'm just a little bit more in that kind of southern blues rock and roll. I would say you're more of a Walmart guy or a Target guy. Target, yeah. Yeah, the only I go to Walmart because they're the only place that sells coupe. For when I work on the motorcycle, you, you have the the wrong hand cream that, to get all that grease off. Like there's some that just don't work, and Walmart's the only place I've found goop. What would you say is the best thing about being alive? Uh, everybody you run into, man. Um, the best thing about being alive is you know that's how you get to meet people. You know you don't meet a lot of people when you're in the grave, um, or when you're ashes strewn across whatever so it's yeah it's all the people you meet I mean, that that blow every day I I see somebody or meet someone or I don't even maybe talk to them I just see see them act and you know like today I was we were running and we went hit our first water stop with the dog and I there's all these cars in the park and I'm trying to figure out what these guys are doing and I hear what I think is a softball, somebody hitting a softball, and I crest the hill, and I, real, I see all these guys in white, just crisp white pants and white shirts, and they're playing cricket in the park right over here. And it's like, you don't get to see that. I don't think you get to see that when you're dead, you know? So, I mean, it's just stuff like that. It's these little discoveries that you see when you, you know, drive down a road or you look off to the side or, you know, that that's pretty much the greatest thing about being alive. About 20 years from now, what would you think some cool statements are that people would say about your impact on the world? The coolest thing I could think anyone would say about my impact on the world is that I tried really hard to take care of the people that were around me, the guys in my band, the people I love, the people in my family, the people that we work with, you know, um, that that more than anything else, what I did was an effort to look out for them. You know, that's one of the things I really try to do here is it's it's great to sit here and have a name on a record and, and write songs and I don't want to diminish the, the beauty that comes along with that stuff, but really the reason I'm trying to move this along, you know, one step at a time and continue down the road is what I'd love to look back on my life and be able to say is I enabled another four or five or six or seven people to make their living doing nothing but doing what they love. Playing music and, and touring the country and 
and having time with their family that, that was based around a living they made by playing their instrument and, and making other people forget about their problems for 45 minutes or an hour. All right, uh, last question. Okay. Is there any way Miles could be a good tambourine man when he gets a bit older? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we always need a good tambourine. It's good. <laughs> You're hired. Oh,